This is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. Swing and a drive! Deep left! Gone! That was as hard as a baseball can be hit. Swing and a base hit to left, and the White Sox win it! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I am Connor McKnight, and we have some big news when it comes to the White Sox. Over the last two days, we have seen the biggest decisions this new front office had to make get made. Options on Tim Anderson, Mike Clevenger, and Liam Hendricks all existed for Chris Getz and his new front office. Each one of those options, and in Clevenger's case, it was a mutual option like we've talked about quite a bit here, were declined. Liam Hendricks is now a free agent. Mike Clevenger now a free agent. And the news broke just about an hour ago. The White Sox tweeted out confirming that they'd made the move. Tim Anderson's $14 million option was declined. The $1 million buyout has been offered. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on the show. Obviously, this is, today, the start of a very new era of White Sox baseball. Not just because the names I mentioned, but also because the front office that's making the decisions, that's leading the baseball operations side of things, is, is a new one. You know, and there were a lot of questions going into the the uh, dismissal of Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn and the hiring of Chris Getz about how this front office would diverge in terms of decision-making from the administration prior. Chris Getz obviously had been a part of the White Sox front office for a while, being the director of player development. Oh, by the way, there's a new director of player development. He was named Paul Janish. Uh, or is named rather Paul Yonish, was named to the new position just a couple of days ago, and we thought that would be the big news of the show today, but instead it's it's much bigger than all that, much, much bigger. Again, 312-332-3776 is the phone number. And, and the topic to you, White Sox fans, right here off the top is, what do you think? I mean, these are three big names, three big providers at least for last season, and in Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks' case, for many seasons prior, obviously Hendricks, the the three seasons long with the White Sox, and T.A. having been with the team since I started, the White Sox pre- and post-game gig back in 2016. T.A. was a former first-round pick of the White Sox, a guy taken 17th overall in the 2013 first-year player draft. He had won an American League Silver Slugger in 2020, he had made two all-star teams, led baseball with a 335 average in 2019, hit 300 or better, and finished in the top five of the American League batting title race three straight seasons, 2019, 2020, and 2021. This is a guy who, at the top of the White Sox lineup, set the pace for years, and, and even when maybe even especially when last season did not go the way the White Sox wanted to and did not go the way Tim Anderson wanted it to, it was part and parcel 
um, because he just it just was unable uh, to get that contact rewarded the way he had been for years. The, the pop hadn't been there, just one home run for Tim Anderson last season. Obviously had the knee injury that set him back quite a bit after about a week and a half of the season. Uh, but now the White Sox are in a brand new situation, something uh, pretty foreign. Something that I don't think a lot would have expected going into even the 2022 season. The idea that Tim Anderson wasn't going to be the shortstop for the White Sox through the length of this contract was almost unfathomable. And there are a lot of different ways to kind of break down this this particular decision. We'll talk about the decisions on Liam Hendricks and the decision that Mike Clevenger made in just a little bit here on the show. But with the news breaking earlier this afternoon and then being confirmed by the White Sox, that T.A. will not be back or or does not seem like he'll be back as the starting shortstop for the White Sox in 2024, there is a brand-new middle infield, perhaps, on the table for the White Sox. I I think this, too, you know, as the season went on and as the trade deadline approached, we saw the White Sox offload uh, quite a bit of veteran talent. Lucas Giolito and Joe Kelly and Reynaldo Lopez and Kendall Graveman all traded away. Um, and and so Keenan Middleton and some other relievers, too. I, I might be even missing a couple of trades. It was a while ago, and we've been on to a new phase of White Sox baseball for a minute. Dylan Cease's name popped up late in that whole trade deadline day. I think it was 3 o'clock Central Time where the deadline came and went, and whether or not Dylan Cease was going to go and perhaps get traded somewhere, was very much a, a big part of uh, of baseball Twitter for a little bit. There was some action, a little bit of conversation about Tim Anderson, but not a ton. And for the days prior in the White Sox clubhouse, I remember very well White Sox beat writers uh, and, and guys who, who cover the team, cover the, the league nationally, were kind of hanging around Tim's locker, asking questions about having seen his name in rumors. Uh, the Dodgers were looking for a shortstop at the time, having suffered a couple of injuries through their what would be a playoff run uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, and prior to the, them trading for Ahmed Rosario of the Guardians, it, Tim Anderson's name came up a lot there. Obviously, the White Sox were unable to find a deal that was acceptable to them for Tim Anderson. It is entirely possible that there wasn't one on the table as well. So when you step through the decision that got made today, the White Sox not exercising the option on Tim Anderson and instead offering him the buyout and letting him go to free agency, I think looking back before we look forward is important here, right? At what point and, and who made the decision um, you know, to, to kind of move in this direction? I, I would guess, and it sounded like Tim was very open uh, in a conversation he had with Scott Merkin of MLB.com, I would guess that it was pretty clear that Tim was willing to play a position other than shortstop after the season he had. He, he said as much with Scott Merkin. Um, I would imagine, we don't know this yet, and this news just came out today, so kind of the, the both sides' tale is going to have to be told here over the next couple of days. But I would bet that that willingness to perhaps shift over to second base or maybe even be a you know half shortstop, half second baseman, a utility kind of you know superstarter for the White Sox in 24, given the year that Tim Anderson had at the plate last season and defensively too, was on the table for the Sox. What is, is curious to me is now where the White Sox go, right? We've talked a lot here on the show over the last couple of weeks and, and even in the final few weeks of the regular season – about the free agent class that is or really isn't 
for 2024. There are some solid arms that you could acquire if you're looking to fill out a rotation or maybe even build one, some good relievers too. In fact, we're seeing some decisions from other clubs um, on some of their contract options and from other players too. For instance, Eduardo Rodriguez has made it official. He's opted out of his Tigers contract. That was expected. Uh, Hector Neris has declined his player option with the Astros, right? Joey Votto's going to go free agent. The Reds will not bring him back. Uh, and the Tigers announced that they've traded for Mark Canna of the Brewers. So there's some room moves being made. Free agency opens officially on November 6th. And now that the White Sox, having said goodbye to Tim Anderson here, now that the White Sox are, I, I assume, shopping in free agency for a starting shortstop, it could get difficult to fill that spot. The starting shortstops on the market right now, Nick Ahmed, Tim Anderson, Elvis Andrews, Javier Baez can opt out of $98 million owed to him over the next four years, but given the season that he had, you can't imagine that happening. Yu Chang, Brandon Crawford at age 37, Paul DeYoung at age 30, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Adalberto Mondesi, who has recovered from myriad injuries, uh, but has still struggled to hit despite high prospect status when he debuted with the Royals in the World Series many years ago. Kevin Newman at age 30, all glove and not much of a stick there. Ahmed Rosario, 28 years old, and Joey Wendell at 34. I mean, that's it. Those are your shortstops. There just aren't many impact bats or, or really impact defensive shortstops on that list. I think, you know, if I read them all again to you, which I won't bother doing, I think you'd come out and say that Elvis Andrews is probably the best player on that list given his production the last two years and his relative reliability at shortstop. The White Sox had obviously brought back Elvis Andrews last year to play second base, ended up playing a good deal of shortstop, and then it was pretty good. You know, Elvis Andrews especially came on late in the last six to eight weeks of the season, really got it right with the stick after a slow start, and, and has provided some leadership and some solidity up the middle for the White Sox. But But I don't, you know, if you look through the rest of the White Sox depth chart, right, what is left... For the White Sox, it's short. Can you solve this um, from from some sort of internal position? It is well known. I mean, you're listening to White Sox Weekly, and I would imagine you've got a good handle on the fact that Colson Montgomery, who's playing shortstop in the Arizona Fall League right now and really crushing it with the lefty swing that he's got, had been at double-A last season, double-A Birmingham. First-round pick of the Sox in 2021. The hopes of the world are on this kid. He is a top-25 prospect, top-20 by a lot of rankings. Uh, but pushing him into a starting role at the beginning of 2024 seems a little bit, well, it seems like a push. It is entirely possible that Colson Montgomery is ready to go at some point in 2024 in the bigs, but making a starting shortstop out of him is a different conversation altogether. I mean, for instance, although Colson Montgomery started last year uh, on the injured list with a back injury, there were a lot of errors for Montgomery. I think 19 in total playing short, and, and that might have been affected by a back injury. That'll get you in just a, a lot of different ways. But there are still some fair questions about Montgomery, who at six foot four, it would be one of the taller shortstops. The the comps 
to Corey Seager, who had a great run through the World Series. Congratulations to the Rangers, by the way, with all the big White Sox news, obviously. Uh, we would yet to get to the World Series. Congratulations to the Rangers and Rangers fans and our producer, Jake Cantu. Not on the show right now. Jack's got the show. Uh, but Jake Cantu produces a lot of White Sox weekly, a lot of White Sox baseball games. And his heart is with the White Sox. Uh, but every other part of his body belongs to the Texas Rangers, and it's fun to watch uh, fans get a World Series uh, especially after it, when it's the first one in a franchise history. Uh, but all that to say, you know, I- internally, whether it's Jose Rodriguez or Zach Remillard or, you know, I, I don't know whether or not there are, are guys that are ready to step up and take the starting shortstop job. So I think with this declining the option of Tim Anderson, you can put Chris Getz and the White Sox front office squarely in maybe the top C in looking to acquire somebody like that, somebody who take that role either in trade as we get closer and closer to the winter meetings next week or maybe dipping into free agency and trying to solve that position maybe in a in a somewhat unconventional way, right, whether that's bringing back Elvis Andrews or going through a couple of different veterans uh, throughout the um, throughout the free agent process, maybe mixing and matching, something like that. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how they fill this spot. You know, going back to TA just a little bit, I, this is, it hurts a little bit to be quite honest with you. I, I have absolutely loved being able to cover as much of Tim Anderson's career as I had. The guy is an athletic phenomenon. He's got a, especially when he's going right, taking 2023 out of the picture. His power swing to right field was so much bigger and better than people gave it credit for at times. I think scrolling through Twitter right now, I see a whole bunch of different White Sox accounts. And the White Sox themselves retweeting the highlights of the Field of Dreams game. The first year Len Casper was on the call here, and Tim Anderson gives him an absolute thrill of a moment. The walk-off home run against the Yankees into the corn to end it. I mean, this was, you know, he had moments that defined the franchise over the last few seasons. And to see it come to an end like this is is truly, you know, it hurts a little bit. It, it really does. And I think for, for many White Sox fans, they had seen Tim Anderson take that mantle of, of favorite player or, or best player over the years. And he's had a lot of Sox fans in his corner here, especially during the struggles of 2023. And there have been others before that. You know, guys get into slumps and guys get hurt at times, stuff like that. Um, but I think he'd had a lot of this team and a lot of the, franch- a lot of the uh, franchise fans in his corner, and rightly so. I think it is impressive to have watched a guy like T.A., you know, come into the league needing to, to work on some things, not having a whole lot of success at the plate until kind of shifting the approach a little bit and being able to use right field the way he had. Um, that's, that's meaningful. That's impressive. You, you look at the batting average he'd been able to carry and the batting average on balls in play that he'd be able to do all of his damage with, and you go, man, that's, that's an impressive guy, a guy who doesn't look like a lot of hitters throughout the league. He, he does it different. His success comes differently than other players do. And for me, that had been a lot of fun to watch all the way up until last season. He hit three thirty-five, led all of baseball in 2019. And in the year prior, 2018, he hit two forty. 
there were stretches in those first three years of Tim Anderson, 16, 17, and 18, where you absolutely saw it all kind of coming together. You could see, you know, kind of the um, the dream that the White Sox had when they drafted him out of Birmingham, Alabama, and and that they saw a starting shortstop caliber type guy in that mix. Now, with the White Sox having declined the option and moving on, it, it's entirely possible that Tim's days as a starting shortstop in this league could be done. He may have to take on a different position with whatever team he signs with during this offseason, whether that be second base or learning a little outfield. I mean, the um, the ask is going to be quite different, I think, for teams when Tim Anderson's name comes up in the free agent marketplace. And that is uh, well, it's a tough pill to swallow, I think, for a veteran player. And it is, I think, for a lot of White Sox fans, at the very least – bittersweet knowing that this is the end for the White Sox and their fans and Tim Anderson. Um, for a lot, I, I think it's going to be really difficult to deal with. It's It will be a brand new guy at shortstop for the White Sox in 2024. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. 312-312. My goodness. I'm going to get this phone number right one way or another. I'm better at the option numbers that all the White Sox had going on. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Your calls when we come back. We'll talk about the other decisions that the White Sox made. Mike Clevenger going free agent and Liam Hendricks as well. We'll do that when we come back here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We have big news on the show this afternoon. Just about an hour and a half ago, it was reported and then confirmed by the ball club that they had declined the $14 million option on shortstop Tim Anderson, which makes him a free agent. Yesterday, we spent the whole first segment talking about that. You want to talk about the direction of the White Sox, where they're headed this offseason, feel free. we got a phone lines open, 312-332-3776. That's the number. I, you know, there, there are other decisions to make, and, and while Tim Anderson, to me, is, is obviously the, the main topic of conversation here and where and how the White Sox replace him, the production that he was, uh, you know, supposed to have had in 23, that he has had the last handful of years, boy, those are all open-ended questions. And, and right now, you know, when the White Sox and, and everybody else gets to the winter meetings next week, a lot of those questions are going to be asked of White Sox general manager Chris Getz, and it seems as though this team is headed for a, a very different direction than where they were headed in 2023. But that's not to say that there aren't some you know, clever and creative ways to recreate a roster that can be fairly interesting in 2024. Uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But more news, uh, and this was yesterday, so I think you've had just a little bit more time to digest it. I mean, shoot, we're only barely digesting the fact that the White Sox will not have Tim Anderson on the team next season. Uh, but they will not have Mike Clevenger on the roster either. Clevenger pitched well for the White Sox in 2023. I mean, if if you look through the numbers and just the, the number of starts, kind of the reliability within them, you know, Dylan Cease had a down season in, in 23, and I think that made, by a lot of different measures, Mike Clevenger the steadiest starter in the White Sox starting five. For the White Sox, Clevenger made 24 starts at a 377 ERA with 131 and one-third innings pitched. He had an ERA plus 
of 118, all of that with the Sox. In his innings pitched with the White Sox, Lucas Giolito also had a 118 ERA plus, so the production there just about the same. It was a tough one for Giolito with both the Angels and the Guardians, the two other teams that he played for in 23. Uh, More on that in just a little bit here in the show. Uh, But Clevenger, and we talked about this quite a bit, Clevenger had a $4 million buyout for 2024 and a mutual option that would have made the total pay, or rather his, uh, his pay for the year, $12 million. So Clevenger declined his part of the option yesterday, and the White Sox are now looking for other opportunities, other ways to fill out a starting five. I, I think for me, you know, the, the, the math of it at the very least, uh, the conversation about both player and fit, it gets a little bit more complicated, a lot more complicated, to be honest with you. Um, but the math of it was fairly simple, right? Clevenger has $4 million in his pocket, one way or another. If he declines the option, he gets 4 and then just needs to make another 12 somewhere else in 2024 to make, again, I'm just talking cold, hard math, right? Baseball's about a lot more than just how much money you make, but we're idiots if we don't talk about just how much of a factor that is. It is a business, after all, um, and a lot of those business decisions are getting made uh, in and around baseball today and yesterday, right? Teams are saying goodbye to longtime bulwarks in their lineups, uh, big-time starters, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Joey Votto's no longer going to be a red, right? I mean, that was guy has been there since I was in high school, I think, or at least it feels that way. It, maybe it feels that way because it makes me feel younger. Either way, you've got Mike Clevenger moving on to a new organization, and you know you kind of figure that with the way he pitched, he's gotten himself at least a one-year deal for much more than twelve. I kind of see him as like the sixteen, eighteen million dollar kind of guy for two thousand and twenty-four. Uh, pitching costs, man. I mean, pitching costs money, and with Clevenger having made twenty-four starts. That's not great, but it's certainly not bad, right? I mean, you're looking for 28, 30, something like that for your, you know, your big time top three rotation kind of guy. The strikeout rate wasn't great for Clevenger. He was able to keep the home runs fairly limited, though. The walks were pretty good. All in all, it's a it's a solid guy in a in an already established rotation that you could add in, and that's what Clevenger was looking to accomplish. Uh, when he signed his two-year deal with the White Sox, now having opted out of the second part. Let's deal with the other option, the other player that the White Sox will probably be saying goodbye to, but maybe not. Liam Hendricks is um, is an interesting case here, and, and for a lot of different reasons. First and foremost, congratulations to Liam for winning the 2023 American League Comeback Player of the Year Award. I mean, from the moment, right, the very moment Hendricks walked out of the bullpen May 29th against the Angels to make his season debut, having come back from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, he won Comeback Player of the Year. I had heard in clubhouses in the last couple of weeks as we kind of you know made our travels, you know who who else is Comeback Player of the Year in the AL? I mean, is it anybody but Liam? No, I don't think so. And this is this is voted on by the players, by the way. Uh, the players vote for Comeback Player of the Year. The award is awarded by the Baseball Players Association, um, so it is very much given by his peers. While Liam only pitched in five games last season, his impact was felt both in the clubhouse and outside of of really all of baseball. The work he did in supporting 
fellow cancer patients, uh, a lot of them children, was exemplary. Um, from town to town, when he was traveling with the White Sox, whether it be recovering from the elbow injury or as he was coming back from and making um, some sim game starts while with the White Sox and rehabbing and, and getting himself back um, from cancer, this guy was, I mean, you knew when Liam Hendricks was in town because he was at a local cancer ward or helping out a, a cancer charity. I remember when the White Sox went to go play the Mets in Queens, um, Carlos Carrasco, who's on that roster and is a fellow cancer survivor himself, he and Liam were on the field together presenting you know, one of the big checks to uh, a cancer awareness foundation, a uh, cancer research foundation, if memory serves correctly. And that kind of, you just know that that comes with Liam Hendricks and Christy, to be honest with you. He and his wife have done a whole lot of work to make themselves, um, to, to make themselves help other people while playing baseball. And that does not go unnoticed. And I, I think when you talk about who Liam is and what's next for him in baseball, you, you kind of got to talk about those things as well, because he's likely to not pitch next season. Now he may, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery and, you know, just strict timeline wise, he could come back in August um, and pitch for a ball club, but he also might not, right? Tommy John surgeries, you, you know, you might be able to come back, but what, like we saw with Garrett Crochet last year, maybe something barks yet, something's not all quite connected. You just, in coming back, maybe you're not as strong as you'd like to be. You favor something else, and that causes something up the kinetic chain to maybe bother you a little bit. So for Liam, though he may not be and, and likely will not be an impact reliever for anybody in 2024, he should be back and ready to roll toward the end of the year and good to go for 2025. I wouldn't put it past Liam to be highly effective, even well into his 30s, given the kind of stuff that he rolls with and the work that he does. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And a lot of people who cover the White Sox have put this out on Twitter over the last 24 hours or so. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Hendricks would re-sign with the White Sox in some form or fashion that kind of covers the money owed to him, and get to that in a moment, and covers 25 and maybe even 26, right? Liam's made it known that he wanted to stay with the White Sox. Um, Liam's made it known that that was his preference over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, that's you know he got asked what it was and understands that baseball, you know, is a business and that this business is the business decision that the White Sox made uh, did not include picking up this option. However. When Liam signed his deal, this 2024 season, or the coming 2024 season, was a guaranteed $15 million one way or the other, right? Had the White Sox picked up that option, 15 mil to Liam, that's the last year of the deal, good to go, easy peasy in terms of the bookkeeping. Anyway, however, now that the White Sox have declined the option, Hendricks is owed $1.5 million each year over the next 10 seasons. That money is deferred. You, because of that financial connection between player and club and because of everything else we've talked about when it comes to Liam Hendricks, both on and off the field, I, I could really easily see a reunion. I could really easily see, all right, signing that contract, rehabbing with the team, getting back when you're back, and, and scheduling you in for 2025. I haven't seen much else in terms of um, reporting on where or how Liam Hendricks might return to the bigs here in 2024 and again in 2025. Um, other than that, to be quite honest with you, I think that looks to be um, as as good an option as anything else. I, I would even guess that 
I would even guess that teams, other teams, would, would be more than happy to sign Liam. I, I don't think anybody's going to make him sit out 2024 while he rehabs from Tommy John. I, I think many teams would be more than happy to come up with a creative contract solution that allows him to be a part of that roster, get put on a 60-man IL, rehab from Tommy John surgery, and then come back in the last half or last couple of weeks of 24 knowing that they've got, you know, if they're a playoff-bound team at that point, they got an ace in the hole or at least a, a top reliever coming out of the bullpen late or, or, you know, be able to solve some of that bullpen issue in 2025. Still, now that the White Sox are moving on from Tim Anderson and Mike Clevenger and Liam Hendricks, that means that there are three big positions, right? Shortstop, starting pitcher, and closer that need to be resolved for 2024. How that gets done is going to be a very fascinating thing to watch here as we go through the next couple of weeks. When we come back here on White Sox Weekly, I want to take you through the offseason schedule just a little bit and point out some uh, or bring you some points of interest uh, that are, that are going to, I think, really be news items for the White Sox here. We'll talk about free agent starters that the White Sox may be interested in now that the 131 innings or so that the White Sox counted on for Mike Clevenger last year are going to have to be pitched by somebody else. We'll get into the White Sox minor league system a little bit too. We will also talk just a little bit about the new director of player development, Paul Janish, so named earlier this week and introduced by White Sox general manager Chris Getz. We'll talk a bit about that decision uh, to continue rescaping, rescoping rather the front office, and you'll hear from both of those guys in next week's show as well. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. Tim Anderson, Mike Clevenger, and Liam Hendricks are all free agents now having their options declined or declining their option when it comes to Mike Clevenger. What do you think? That's the phone number. More White Sox conversation when we come back on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN1000. 1000. 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits, such as a ticket exchange program, special events, savings on single games, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash 2024. And stay out of the elements next year. Located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash GRC or call or text 312-674-1000. Some big news for the White Sox. If you're just joining us this afternoon, maybe your college football team lost in a very disappointing way to Indiana or maybe you don't root for the Badgers, which is probably more helpful for you. Uh, maybe you're just in a struggle. Maybe you, you heard the news that the White Sox are moving on from White Sox shortstop or former shortstop Tim Anderson and that Mike Clevenger declined the option and that the option on Liam Hendricks was declined as well. And this puts the White Sox coming into 2024 in a very different spot than we were in at this point last winter. I don't think it's officially winter yet. It's still fall, which we'll take for as long as we can. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. 
332-3776. That's the phone number. And when Ron on the south side has made the call at this point in November, you know it's going on. Ron, always a pleasure, my friend. Great to talk with you. Absolutely. Whether the season has been good, bad, or average, me and you always talk White Sox baseball. And what, you know it, man. Uh, and what a better day. Beautiful fall day. So, uh, you know what, Kyle, now with Tim Anderson, I was a little surprised. Now, this is what I thought they would do, that they would pick up the option and hope Tim Anderson, you know, turn him out. And then maybe before the trade deadline, because see, then what happens, you, you, you buy a little time mm-hmm. for Colson uh, Montgomery. But then I also, during the season, I was telling people, I really thought for him and organization, sometimes, Connor, it's, it's just, you know, probably better to um, move on. And, and, and I, I just got a feel that Tim Anderson was probably ready to move on. But my last point, since you have traded him, well, I know they don't want to come out, Connor, and say that it's a rebuild, retooling, but – you may as well see what you can get for um, Eloy. Not going to be able to move you on Mankata. That's mm. $25 million unless you're going to eat some. So uh, I think that's because you, you just – there's no pitching. So I think you better think the Sox need to look to just kind of build up the farm system and then kind of see where we're going. So always a pleasure, Connor. Thank you. Ron, always, my man. You know it. 312-332-3776. I've been talking baseball with Ron on the south side since for a long time, 15 years or so. The guy knows his stuff. And, you know, there's a couple of things that Ron brought up that I think are, are very fair points, right? And I'll start with this one on Tim Anderson. I would not bet against a change of scenery comeback 2024 for T.A. I don't know defensively what next team that picks him up is, is going to ask of him. Shortstop had been a tough one for him last season. And, and listen, we've, we've all watched Tim Anderson play shortstop over the last four or five seasons. We've seen stretches where he's absolutely fantastic. He does it a little unorthodox. He relies on uh, more athleticism than, than maybe – you know, setting your feet and making that kind of, you know, kind of Carlos Correa-ish, that, that really, like, um, Tom Amansky level of, like, I don't want to say robotic, because that's, that's a bad thing, but just kind of, you know, steady kind of play and making that. But the highlight reel play was always there for T.A. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's incredibly quick. Um, and I, I always thought that the high-end play plays were there, and the throwing arm was just a little, you know, just was a little inaccurate that might have been able to be fixed with a couple of other things, just didn't quite get there. Last season, Baseball Savant rated him as a negative one outs above average at shortstop. Just for sake of reference, Dansby Swanson of the Cubs led all base, led all qualified shortstops with 20 outs above average. Then you got Willie Adamas and Ezekiel Tovar and Bobby Witt Jr. clocking in at 16 for both Adamas and Tovar, and then 14 for Bobby Witt Jr. Um, then down at the Bottom of the list, Enrique Hernandez, who played for a couple of teams, and Ahmed Rosario, who did the same, were at negative 13 and negative 14. There are obviously other, many other baseball, um, or rather I should say defensive metrics that rated Anderson, pardon, as worse. 
Um, and some that rated him as better. I think outs above average treated him pretty fairly. And negative one is, you know, you look across the league and you see a lot of guys with negative one as, as good defensive reputations that maybe had down years or what have you. But at shortstop, you're looking for better than that. When you look at outs above average um, and you kind of page through the thing, you'll see that only 10 shortstops had zero or worse. And that the other qualified shortstops, 24 of them, from Anthony Volpe, who had a plus one, all the way up to Danzig Swanson, who had a plus 20, were all positive or, or had their head above water in terms of outs above average. That's just of note here. And I think as, as Ron was talking about changes of scenery, a change of scenery for Tim Anderson benefiting the player and I think the next team, that makes a lot of sense to me. I just wonder whether shortstop is going to be that place. I also kind of expected the White Sox. I'm I'm a little surprised that they they cut loose Tim Anderson and declined the option. I saw some merit in a 14 million dollar shortstop. Now the production of last season was awful. I, I, Tim, I think, could be the first to tell you that he was looking for a lot more, whether it be it offensive or defensive. But as we've talked about this free agent class, almost especially at the shortstop position where we, we ran through the names before, right? There just aren't a lot of impact names there. And in terms of the trade market, there, there aren't a lot of shortstops that look to move teams and, and be impact players elsewhere. Maybe, maybe one or two, something like that, but not many. Um, you could definitely make a case that had the White Sox picked up the option at $14 million and then continued to look to trade TA, then that there's value there. Obviously, that wasn't the case. That's not the direction they've gone. So perhaps they learned a little bit more about the marketplace than that prior statement would uh, would tell you otherwise. I think this too, it is um, it is fair at this point to ask and wonder about what next, right? Shortstop is shortstop, right? And we talk about these players and positions with with a bit of reverence, and shortstop is at the top of that list. You've got to have a great one in order to win a World Series, or at least most years. You've got to have a really great one to win a division and to get deep into the playoffs. Um, and if defense isn't that calling hard, then you've got to have somebody who hits like Corey Seager and hit big moments like he did in the World Series. No doubt about it. However, you know now that they're going into, the White Sox are going into the winter meetings uh, next week with um, a hole at starting shortstop, Uh, a big deficit in terms of innings available to them in the starting rotation with the 131 that Mike Clevenger pitched last year, uh, now on the free agent market. It's really just, it's Dylan Cease and it's Michael Kopech. Lance Lynn had his option turned down by the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes, the White Sox got starts from Tukey Toussaint and Jesse Schultons and could see some innings from Davis Martin after he comes back from Tommy John surgery. I actually look forward to to seeing Davis uh, come back from that. He had such a fun 2022 to watch. Um, uh, Luis Patino made a start or two, I think, down the stretch, maybe one, maybe two, uh, and pitched some longer relief outings. I mean, those are guys that can make some starts for you, but in terms of um, established you know, top five guys, the White Sox have Cease and Kopech, and those adjectives are doing a lot of work when it comes to Kopech's 2024. The guy pitched out of the bullpen late in the season in 2023, had a 543 ERA, and gave up a total of 29 home runs and 91 walks. I mean, that's there need, there's a lot of work that needs to be done 
on Michael Kopech and that whole that whole you know delivery and stuff and health and all that thing, it it needs to be worked quite a bit in order to get uh, the the starting pitcher level that you want out of Kopech. I think it's still in there. I I definitely think it's still in there. But can you get to it in 2024? If not, then where next do the White Sox go? Right, like like Ron on the South Side was talking about. Are there other moves to take major league talent off this roster and retool a little bit? I I get a little tired. You know, we went through this um, in different sports here throughout the city, whether it be on the north side, south side, uh, the Bulls or the Blackhawks or, or even the Bears for a little while and maybe even again. Is it a rebuild? Is it a retooling? Is it this? Is it that? I, I'm, I'm less. Are you subtracting big league talent and adding some prospect type stuff? Or are you adding it, right? I mean, that's that's really all I care about. That's all we're asking about at this point. And I think you can make some pretty well-evidenced cases that the White Sox could look at a guy like Eloy Jimenez or could look at a guy like Dylan Cease and think, all right, are we better off having this player on the team opening day 24 or are we better off trading a guy like this for talent that is, if not major league ready, then real close? And I think you can make that argument for both of those particular players, even Cease, given the year he had last year, and especially Jimenez, given the year he had. If you're able to find trades, and, and Chris Getz has talked about this, we'll play some of it for you next week on the show after the winter meetings, and I'm sure we'll have some fresh tape from Getz after the winter, me- winter meetings are done in Scottsdale, or, or perhaps underway, um, about where the future of the franchise is kind of headed but they're going to have to be some creative solutions because, as we've talked about many times on this show and many shows past, that free agent market in terms of uh, in terms of offensive firepower, offensive impact at all. I mean, the list is Shohei Otani and Cody Bellinger, and that's about it. Maybe your next best hitter on that list, on that top 50 free agent list, is Jamer Candelario. And that's not a shot against Candelario. It's just... That's not a guy who centers the offense for any franchise. He's a good role player, a guy who moves around us in different clubs and gets hot at times, no doubt. Uh, but that's, I mean, it's Bellinger and Otani. That's, those are the two names in free agency. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. Still a little bit of time left here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Sox fans, catch the action from a private diamond suite in 2024. Learn more about our different suite sizes and how you can host your closest friends and family with customizable food and beverage options next season. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash suites or call or text 312-674-1000. Also, you can be even closer to the action next year. Located directly behind home plate, the Wintrust Scout Seats offer access to our luxury club experience with all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and parking. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash scout seats or call or text 312-674-1000. We're closing it up here on White Sox Weekly. Not a lot of time left, but... Over the next couple of days, there are some uh, some things on the calendar that I think may elucidate the direction that Chris Getz and the White Sox are headed here now that the options on Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks were declined and that Mike Clevenger declined his side of a mutual option for 2024. Tomorrow, 
Gold Glove winners get announced. That's just fun. Hopefully Luis Robert wins a second Gold Glove. November 6th, that's Monday. The five-day waiting period for free agents is over. They can sign with any club. The White Sox could get active in free agency as soon as November 6th. However, November 7th through the 9th, that's next Tuesday through Thursday, you've got the general manager's meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona. And that's when I think there's going to be a lot of conversation. I think Chris Getz is going to talk a lot, I would guess. This is some big news. Moving on from your starting shortstop and Liam Hendricks and Mike Clevenger, Getz spoke a little bit about the direction of the team earlier this week when Paul Yonish was named as the new director of player development, um, taking the role that Getz himself had. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot more details, uh, baseball side of things, on the field side of things, when we get to the general manager's meetings in the middle of next week. That's going to do it for us this week on White Sox Weekly. Big thanks to Jake, Jack McGrath, our producer. We will talk to you 2 until 3 tomorrow or next Saturday afternoon on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight, and you have a great day.